Uh, I want to talk to you today about the good life. And this is starting to overwhelm me. Um, and, and, uh, but let me go ahead and get us going on it. Um, the good life, uh, you have your notes. And if you just look in your, good, your, your notes there, the good life and the God life. The good life, according to a, a definition on the Internet, uh, if you say that someone is living the good life, you mean that they are living in comfort and luxury with few problems or worries. And, uh, and I say, okay, that's the good life. And other things that would characterize what we call the good life, living for self-purposes. In other words, it's all about me. Uh, pleasure and comfort, self-focused, usually hedonistic. In other words, going to satisfy your, your uh, own selfish personal desires. Self-indulgent, having to do with entertainment. This is the good life. This is the good life, you know, and all sorts of crazy things that we've come up today. But let me tell you what the God life is, and then I'll jump back to the good life again. The God life, is, is connecting up with God. And the Bible is all about us connecting up with God. Uh, we go all the way back to, to Abraham, and we see Abraham uh, invited, was invited by God to the, to the God life. In other words, God said, listen, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to prosper you, and I'm going to use you to bless all the peoples of the world so, the, so that as you begin to live the God life, then other people will live the God life too, and, and the whole world will be changed. And of course, uh, Abraham jumped in on that. And, and then we see, of course, the people of Israel were being led by Moses of about three and a half million people out of Egypt to go live the good life in the promised land. Well, the promised land was not heaven. Doesn't, it's not a picture of heaven. It is a picture of walking with God and living in fellowship with God. Uh, and then, of course, can you imagine, can you imagine Mary and Joseph? I, I, I got to tell you, again, uh, make sure you did I tell you to come tonight at 630 for that? Uh, if I haven't told you, I'm telling you now. Um, you, you don't want to miss it. it. It really is a blessing. But Mary and Joseph, can you imagine? Can you imagine knowing that, that we connected with God to bring the life of God so that everybody in the world can have the real God life, which is being receiving the forgiveness of God that was given through Jesus Christ so that we can have a relationship with God and God can love and come and live inside of us and give us not only the God life, but what is truly the good life. I can't think that Moses lived a boring life, really? I mean, okay, he lived 120 years, and I guarantee the last 40 were filled with all sorts of incredible events and struggles and blessings. But I believe when it was all said and done, we can safely say that Moses lived the God life, and he had one major good life. Heaven's sake, folks, I don't want to miss that. And if you do not already know Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord today. I want to give you an invitation to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord who died for you to forgive your sin so that the true God of the universe can come and live inside of you and give you the God life which results in truly the good life that never ends and goes on for all of eternity. And uh, so let's look at this today. And uh, the text is Numbers chapter 20, verses 1 through 13. And that is in your notes. It is not in my printed notes. So I'll have to turn over here in my Bible because I didn't have enough room to get all that in my notes. So turn with me, please, to Numbers 20. Stand with me. It'll be up on the screen also. And uh, this is one of those times where, where, where Moses, folks, the only thing I can tell you is Moses blew it. All right? But I have good news for you. Moses blew it, and you have blown it.
too many, many times before, and you will blow it again probably many, many more times. And God, in his amazing grace, through Christ Jesus, forgives us. So let's look at this. Numbers 20, beginning with verse 1. Then the children of Israel, the whole congregation, came into the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and the people stayed in Kadesh, and Miriam died there and was buried there. That's a big deal. Because now it's been almost 40 years. That generation that disobeyed God about going in to take the promised land some 40 years earlier has now just about completely died off. So we're looking at people of a generation who are over 20 that now have begun to die off. At the end of this chapter, Aaron dies. And then a few chapters later, Moses dies. And then the people, the people who left Egypt as children were going to experience the blessing and benefit of entering into the promised land. Verse 2, now there was no water for the congregation. So guess what they did? They gathered together against Moses and Aaron and the people People contended or complained or griped or argued with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. Why have you brought us up, brought up the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness that we and our, our animals should die here? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? Uh, it is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the temple of the meeting, and they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together, speak to the rock before the, their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock, and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. Moses and Aaron gathered together the assembly before the rock and said to them, Hear now, you rebels. Mm, that's not what he told them to tell them. Must we bring water uh, for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their multitudes drank. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe me to hallow me in your, in your eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. This was the water of Meribah, because the children of Israel contended with the Lord, and he was hallowed among them. Thank you, and you may be be seated. Now, uh, I've already mentioned this, this whole generation died off. And they died off without entering the promised land because they had been disobedient. They had griped and complained and they did not follow the Lord's leadership to go and enter into the promised land because they believed the lies of the ten of the spies who'd gone in and said, we can't do this. So they did complain again. Now, let, I, want, I want you to see something here because Moses had a problem. And, and, and the problem was, I think, we'll come back to this again in a minute. Moses and Aaron got before the Lord. They got instructions from the Lord, but I don't think they finished the prayer. Because they got instructions from the Lord, but they didn't get their heart connected up with the instructions. So when he went and appeared before the people, he was angry and he lashed out at them and he disobeyed God and didn't trust the Lord. So we need to be very careful with this. Everybody who knows Jesus as Savior and Lord, listen carefully to me. This is extremely important. Don't let the sinful actions of others knock you out of alignment. All right? 
Because sometimes we get rotten, stinking attitudes about the behavior of other people, and it begins to affect our heart, and before long we find ourselves as angry Christians. Seems to be an oxymoron, doesn't it? Angry Christians. Now, I've got the word there after verses 2 through 5 that says now. And the reason I did this is because what we have here is historical narrative. He goes from now to then to so because he's, he's telling us this was an actual historical event that involved Moses and Aaron and the people and a failure on Moses' part. It says now the congregation gathered against Moses. Now, here's what we've got to avoid. We need to be careful because sometimes we hear incessant, unnerving speech. Moses had listened to the incessant, unnerving speech of these people for 40 years. They griped, they complained, they fussed, they, 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 and, and I think it finally just got to Moses. And he, you know, he did what he had always done. He fell on his face before the Lord and he prayed for the people, but he didn't stay there long enough to get his heart in line with God's instructions. And sometimes we get aggravated because people behave in ways, uh, in things, in ways that we don't don't like and instead of being concerned about them to lead them to the God life we want to get in their face and say you're a bad person you have done wrong you're evil and, 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 and we need to turn away from that and not allow that to knock us out of alignment and so what we have a struggle with also is when we see inconsistent testimony we see people who are supposed to be walking with the Lord and following the Lord, and they live in an ungodly way, and then we get an attitude about it, and all of a sudden, we have an angry heart. We're resentful. We're bitter. And, and, and folks, that does not go with us. We must be careful. We must be careful not to judge other people's behavior and things like that because the temptation is we want to set them straight. And when what we really need to do is lead them to the one who is the God life. And sometimes we forfeit that opportunity because we're so angry at them. We're so struggling with their behavior. We're so struggling with what they're doing that we just can't, I can't, I can't stand it. I can't stand it. And then we express, rather than showing them grace and mercy of God's great salvation, we want to set them straight. Listen, I have discovered this about God. God is more than able, through the gospel of Jesus Christ, to set people straight. That is not my job. It is not your job. And becoming angry about it and giving an attitude about it does not help. So, what did Moses and Aaron do? They got on their face before the Lord. Huh, you know, it's called, they, 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 they laid themselves out before God. They didn't get on their knees. They just laid themselves flat out on their face before the Lord, and they cried out. This was not an unusual thing for Moses. Moses always did this for the people. Whenever they were going through difficult times, doing things they shouldn't have done, Moses prayed for the people. He cried out for the people. But here's what I discovered with this. In verse 6, so, again, historical narrative. Moses and Aaron went before the presence of the uh, went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting and they fell on their faces and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Moses and Aaron got before the Lord, but I'm convinced they got up too early. 
All right. What do you mean by that? I mean they stayed long enough for God to tell them what to do, but they didn't stay there long enough to get their heart lined up with what God told them to do. And so when they went before the people, they did everything he said. We'll see this in a moment. They went before the people, and all of a sudden, the anger that was in Moses took over. And instead of doing what God had told them to do and having a testimony before the people about believing God, Moses just struck the rock twice, fussed at the people, griped at the people, and did not show them grace and mercy. But God provided water anyway. But Moses became the biggest loser in this situation because his anger got the best of him. Now listen, folks. I'm convinced that oftentimes we get up off our knees after a prayer time and we head out. But our heart is not in keeping with what God told us to do. It's a case of doing the, it's, it's a case of doing the right thing with the wrong heart. Right? When, when your children are young and you, you want to teach them to do what is correct, you want them to get to the point that eventually they're doing it because their heart tells them to do it. Moses and Aaron, I believe, got up too quickly. You see, God wants to fix our heart so that we're showing grace and mercy and kindness. I, this message was already prepared, printed up, and everything before I got to go see Mr. Rogers. But Mr. Rogers was a Presbyterian minister. And there's a, there's a place, and the, the, the people tell me that based on his real life, you didn't get to see the whole thing in the movie about his, his, his walk with God. But there's a point in the movie where he's on his knees beside his bed going through all the people that he had recently met and praying for them. And I believe that when he got up off of his knees, what I saw in the movie is that the life he lived and the way he talked to people and the way he would even deal with some of the hardest people around, he did it with a heart of compassion, a heart of grace and a heart of love. And his attitude was, every person is precious to the Lord. Every person is precious to the Lord. So we need to not only get the right plan, we need to get the right attitude, we need to get it together. Above all else, guard your heart. I, I memorized this years ago from the NIV. Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. <laughs> now here's what the deal is with that. Whatever is in your heart eventually is going to come out. So you can fake it for a little while, but eventually this volcano is going to erupt, and boom, it's going to come out. I mean, I can do this sometimes. I can be calm, stay calm, don't get mad. Okay, I've got, it. I've got it under control. I've got it under control. And then all of a sudden, hmm, I thought I had that fixed. You see, we can't fix it. We can't suppress it because eventually it will come out. And we need to stay on our knees long enough that God deals with our heart and gives us the heart that he would like for us to have. So Moses and Aaron, then, verses 7 and 8, they got their marching orders. God told them what to do. So they took the rod, which is the authority of God. They took the rod. 
Then Moses and Aaron got before the people. We have the team leaders here. They're coming before the people together. And they gather before the congregation. And they speak to the rock. For a moment. Now, if we are walking with the Lord, if we're walking with the Lord, when was the last time God gave you a next step and you took it? When was the last time God gave you a next step and you took it? I was talking to someone this morning. You know, we've seen all these things about Southeast Asia and going to Southeast Asia, and a lot of people say, yeah, that's good. I like people. That's good that people do that. I ought to do that sometime. You know what? If you're saying I ought to do that sometime, that's probably the next step you should take. And the longer you delay, the more blessings and benefits you're going to miss out on because when you're living the God life, God is taking you to the good life. But if you say, no, I'm not going to do that, then you're going to miss out on the blessing. This year, Sheila and I took a, a next step for us, and that was to double our normal Lottie Moon Christmas offering. More than we've ever given. Twice as much. And, and it was, we, we could use that money for something else. Yes, but we believe this is what God's leading us to do. So we need to be taking next steps because if not, we become stagnant in our walk with God. We go, what is wrong with me? You have not listened to him so that he could lead you to do what you want you to do because in order to live the God life that results in the good life, we've got to be following him even in those things. I don't know if I want to do this or not. Usually that's the one he's really leading you in. It makes me kind of uncomfortable, preacher. Do it anyway especially if you know that it is your will, because that is where you're going to experience the God life that results in the good life. I left the bank the other day laughing and rejoicing and saying, what in the world have I been doing? I would have not had that experience had I not taken the bold step to talk to this young man and find out about where he was in his walk with the Lord. I don't want to ever miss that again. And too often we're carrying around bad attitudes instead. So they got off to a good start. They did exactly what he said. Moses and took the rod from the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together. He took a step of obedience. But his heart wasn't there. His, he's, he took a step of obedience. But his heart was not there. So we need to seek, to seek to stay on course after the good start. Because there may come a breaking point. All of a sudden, you know, you're in this spiritual mode. You're in this spiritual mode and you say, oh God, I feel so close to you. I'm going to do what you said. And then all of a sudden, oh, something changes. Something changes. And the monster comes out. And you go, where'd that come from? Because it came from your saying, I'm committed to being obedient to God but I don't seem to have a heart for the things of God and a heart for God. I can point out the sins of other people. I can point out where they're out of God's will. But can you, listen, this is a big deal, but can you take them to the God life? Can you, take, can you lead them to the God life? You see, you can't lead anybody to where you've never been before. That, hey, that's worth writing down, in case you didn't get that. You cannot lead anybody where you've never been yourself. And when we're living the God life and walking with him, then all of a sudden, instead of pointing out other people's failures and sins and screw-ups, we can at least say, listen, God has a plan for you, and I don't want you to miss it for a second. Moses was not ready to represent 
the Lord before the people. He was thinking, I'm doing good, I can do this. And then the explosion occurred, and God called it disobedience. He called it unbelief. You see, belief results in a God life testimony. Unbelief results in flesh being seen. It results in a, a, a half-baked testimony. There's never a time for us to besperse the name of God. Never, ever, ever. And, you know, the, the, the Moses and the Ten Commandments said not to take the name of the Lord in vain. That's the picture of having an appearance, but not having the heart. These people honor me with their lips, but their heart's far from me. I heard a preacher say this week, Billy Graham had said it for years, that he actually believed that less than 10% of the people who sit in church on Sunday morning are actually saved. Say, preacher, how would I know? Go look at 1 John 2, 2, 3, and 4. Because if you love him, you will love what he loves. Keep his commandments. Follow him. So many people in the country say, I'm a Christian. Do you attend his church? No. Do you tithe? No. Do you read scripture? No. Do you pray? No. It may be an indicator that you're really not a believer. And it'd be wise to get it right. Moses' behavior gave evidence of unbelief. The greatest challenge for us today is to not only do the will of God, but also to assist others in the God life. I love this. God's love for you is too great for him to leave you where you are. Everybody look at me. I don't want to stay where I am. Because to stay where I am is to become stagnant. I don't want to be the same tomorrow as I am today. I want to take the next step. I want to be growing. I want to be learning. I want to be fresh. I want to be excited. I want every day to be like this day where I'm saying, God, look what you're doing. Look what you're showing me. Look how you're using me. This is a lot of fun. But, but most of us, you know, I went to church today. How was it? It was, it was good. It was good. No, there should be. I went to church today, and I saw some people there that I invited. And finally, I saw a person that I invited and shared the gospel with. They got saved today. Folks, you will not be able to contain the excitement and the joy and the celebration that will be happening when we're doing that. When, not if. When. When. Because I'm going to challenge you again today that this week, every day, you will seek to reach one person in some way for the gospel and for Jesus Christ and for his church. A believer's life of unbelief can repel others from the God life. This is not my life. This is not my life. This is God's life. I am a steward of this life. It is not mine to do with as I choose. I believe God took Moses and Aaron out as much, probably more for the people of Israel than for them. 
because they had, they, had, they had lived a life that was inconsistent, and God said, I can't have you leading this people anymore. I'm going to raise up Joshua and Caleb and let them finish leading the people into the land to take the land because you just showed them unbelief. And then if you look at uh, Deuteronomy 34, verse 7, Moses, when he died on the mountain, God let him see the promise. God let him see the promised land. He didn't get to enter in. It says that his eyes were strong and good, his body. Moses was a 120-year-old healthy man. He shouldn't have died except God took him. That sounds like 1 John 5, 16, about the sin unto death. Yes, I believe Moses and Aaron committed the sin unto death, which means they had lived sinful testimony before the people and God said, I love you too much to leave you there. Yeah, I know the, the temptation for most of us is like, oh, man, that's, God's not a good God if he did that. Well, first place, Moses had been leaving these stubborn people for 40 years. I think God did him a favor. But you see, the next thing, is, now, if you read that account in Deuteronomy 34, God... The only person that was at Moses' funeral was God. Folks, I don't care if you come to my funeral or not. If God's there, I don't care if you're there or not. And not only that, God was the pallbearer. He was the grave digger. And he was the one that buried the man and covered it up when he was finished. And I believe that when Moses breathed his last breath, he was standing there in the presence of God, and God was hugging on him and rejoicing in him and saying, man, I'm glad to have you home. And if that wasn't enough of God's grace, <laughs> if that wasn't enough of God's grace and goodness, one day God said, Moses, come here. You and Elijah, come here. I got a plan for you. Listen. There's my Jesus down there, and he's not far from, from his death time. So I want the two of you to go down there and meet with him on the Mount of Transfiguration. And all three of you are going to look like this bright and shining light. And the disciples are going to freak out and say, what in the world is going on here? And it's called the Transfiguration. And so don't feel sorry for Moses that he didn't get to go into the promised land, because he did. He did. He didn't just to get to go there by himself or with those three and a half million people. He got to be there with, with, with Elijah and Jesus. Ooh, what a deal. What a deal. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Man, I <laughs> I got a feeling that although they committed the sin and the death, they still lived a tickled, joyous eternity in celebrating the goodness of God. Folks, listen. God has done a great work for us. And, and the, the sad thing about it is, I don't have to do anything for God. I get to. I get to. I get to help people. I'm experiencing the God life like never before in my life. I'm experiencing the God life like never before in my life. And I want everybody I encounter to experience the God life because they're leaving a lie that people are telling them, oh, this is the good life. This is the good life. No, knowing God is the good life. And it never ends. It's called 
eternal life. Jesus said it this way in John 17, 3, and this is eternal life, that they may know you and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Do you know him today? Do you know him? If you want to know him like you've never, ever, ever known him before, follow him in the next step. Today, um, Jacob Crawford took the next step. He was baptized. What's the next step for you? Is it to start tithing? You say, preach, I don't know if I can do that or not. God did this. He said, come here. He drew a line in the sand. He said, hey, walk across that line and start tithing, and you're going to see things like you've never seen before. Our side, God, can you just go ahead and show me things I've never seen before, and then I'll tithe? He said, it doesn't work that way. God honors our faith. And when you take the next step, you may have been balking about the next step. I don't know what it is for you. But you take the next step, then God shows up and shows off. And when God shows up and shows off, it is incredible. Folks, I have seen God show up and show off so many times this week. Uh, I can't, I don't know if I can stand it any longer. But I want to. Stand with me, please, as we come to our prayer time, our invitation time. Um, Pastor Paul uh, and I are going to be here at the front. Today, I have a great Christmas gift for you if you've never received this gift. It is the gift of salvation given. It is a free gift given by God to you for salvation for eternity. And if you'll come down here today, it's yours for the receiving. God says, come, come, come. Would you today come to Christ Come to Christ. Would you today come to this altar and say, God, I want to take the next step. You may need to come and share that with Paul and myself. During this time also, you'll be invited to bring, I encourage you to start as soon as the music starts, to bring your uh, Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international missions and place it here uh, in the, uh, in, in the, the trunk. Um, but we'll be here to talk with you. Hey, listen, folks, this is a great church. This is a great church. This is a church that is serious about being on mission. This church does things that I go, Really? And I'm going to share something about that at the end of the service in just a minute that, that, that I had nothing to do with. I love it when great things happen right here that I had nothing to do with. I go, whoa, that's crazy. And, and, and it is so such an incredible blessing. So I want to ask you right now, what would God have you to do? And then during this time, Pastor Paul and I will be here. And in a few moments, I'm going to gather all of us down here at the altar to, uh, for a time of prayer. But right now, what would the Lord have you to do? There's the trunk. You come on down and move as God has instructed you.